Welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio. We're here on Soho Radio, created to amplify the best of art, culture, books, poetry and activism as we roar into the 2020s. Before I start the show, I just want to say that um, I think there's a lot of people out there having a difficult time and I just want you to know that we're roaring with you. This month we lost the barefoot doctor, we also said goodbye to the poet Roddy Lumsden and to Gary Fairfall, who was a big personality of Soho and Hackney club scene. It's been a time of funerals, I have four funerals myself this month. It's a time of goodbyes and remembrance and I just want to say I am roaring with you and welcome to the Roaring Twenties. Thanks Selena. Um, this is Emma Rose, I just... Um, welcome to the Roaring Twenties. We're a man down this month as our, um, our partner in crime, Matt Abbott, is taking care of something highly important and um, secret in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> He's kissing Maria. <laughs> <laughs> but we've, you've got Selena Godden. I'm here in the house. Yes. And you've got me, and we're going to take you through the show, um, just the two of us this time. This month has been a strange one, as Selena's just alluded to. Um, it's kind, it feels like a very weird time, like almost we've been jumped, the things jump started a couple of weeks ago. They got Brexit done, but kind of didn't. Um, all the politics that we've had going on has been equally strange with these kind of clandestine machinations, you know, with the weird press conference they had where they kind of tried to kick out loads of journalists in a kind of Trump-esque way and then they all just left. I don't know what happened. don't know what, if they just continued with no one in the room or there was no journalist there to record it, so we'll never know. Um, and so that was all kind of all a bit strange. And then we've had the coronavirus. Uh, we're all going to die, but are we? Perhaps, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Wear a mask, douse yourself in um, hand sanitizer, and hope for the best seems to be the advice. Um, uh, yeah, anyway. And um, in other news, we've had continuing protests. You know, we talked last um, show about the Saclopain campaign. And this week we've had continuing protests in the British Museum in the shape of an occupation where um, people protesting against the sponsorship of exhibitions there by BP. Um there's a, I guess the term, common use term is art washing, is what we call art washing, where you take something with a bad reputation and put it next to something that someone's made and say, well, look at this freedom, you know. And I think that's something that's going to, it seems like it's going to continue as a story. There's also been stories, mainly in the art press, about sponsorship of big museum shows by galleries who have an interest in being featured in those museums and yeah so shout out to bp not bp yeah yeah for all the work they did this week that was fantastic yeah it was fantastic and um so and just found the way that they looked and everything was just phenomenal and just like i can't imagine it's like a night in the museum but kind of prescient i liked it yeah, me too. And then, um, but this show, I'll t let's get back to the show. This show, you'll be hearing uh, Matt's roundup of poetry and events that he's pre-recorded for us. My take on all things arty, Selena's book recommendations, and we have two amazing guests. We've got the fantastic poet and playwright Nikita Gill. Hi. <laughs> and uh, she'll be talking to us about her new collection, Great Goddesses. And then um, we've got the lovely poet and novelist Ashley Hickson Lovelace. Um, and I think Selena's going to have a chat with him now. Welcome, Ashley. Hello. 
Hello, Ashley. How are you doing? I'm doing good, you know, considering the weather is a bit rubbish. Thank you for braving the storm. Thank you. And thank you, Nikita, as well. It's great to have you both here. Okay, now I'm just going to do a proper introduction um, because... I think I think this I should. <laughs> so Ashley Hickson Lovence is a poet and novelist from Hackney, London. He is a former secondary school English teacher and is currently completing his PhD in creative and critical writing at the University of East Anglia. His debut novel, which I love, The 392, was released with Own It, who I love, in April 2019. He's currently working on novel number two. Hickson Lovence is a poet but he's also a football referee and a keen marathon runner. I love that. I like writers who run. I think running and writing go together, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. First of all, I'm just going to talk a little bit about your book, and then I'm going to ask you some questions. So your book (laughs) is The 392. It's set entirely on a London bus travelling from Hoxton to Highbury, and it takes place over just 36 minutes um, inside this bus, which is uh, through the eyes of a cast of charismatic characters coming from very different worlds, but tied together through a shared suspicion of the threat of uh, of terrorism. Now, I just love this book. I really enjoyed it. I love the way the empathy, I love the characters, the way you really dipped in and out of different different um the different people's thought patterns, the way they spoke from delinquent school kids to high flyers, the weird, the wonderful, the homeless. I mean, it was just very powerful. Um, um, and the 392 is a journey through gentrified London and the experiences and feelings that gentrification creates along the way. So I love the book. Good. And, <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And none of that's a question. That's just for <laughs> listeners to to um, to take in. There's quite a lot take there. In. Quite a lot taken. I know. Yeah. I was fine trying to be not... Yeah, there's so much. I've actually only read half the page. I had a whole <laughs> bunch of notes there. There's a big party next week, February the 20th. We'll talk more about that. We're going to be launching the paperback. So here's my first question Ooh, yes. um, um, or thing that I want to bring up. So... I've been living in London since the early 90s. When I first moved here, I was broke and full of dreams of what this city might hold for me. Some days in those early years, I felt totally lost. And sometimes on those days, I would randomly take a bus, just any bus, and just ride the whole route of the bus and stare out of the window, trying to figure out my life and learn the geography of the city and also try to figure out my next move, how I was going to find my next rent. Sometimes just sitting alone on a bus all afternoon, watching the rain and watching the people. I love this book because it took me back to this. This book has a keen eye and powerful empathy. It's a love letter to London, observant and vivid. This book travels and moves. It feels like you wrote it in movement, in real life and in real time. And I think that's very unusual in books. So please, can you tell me a bit about how you wrote this book, the process, and also did you write this on the bus ride? Wow, there's a lot lot there. But I think, um, in essence all of that encompassed definitely i uh, i think i did write the vast majority of this book um while in movement while going to work while coming back from work um on my phone i would say the vast majority of the 392 was written um using the notes app on my phone um because the material was happening was right in front of me action was happening all around me um and i could listen into conversations that i heard uh, while on the bus while on the train um and i would just add it to my notes and in some way they all sort of became part of uh, what the 392 was all about sort of all of these different sounds and all of these different characters and people and backstories coming together um in this 
and then sort of it was only it was my job to just make it a, sort of co- cohesive in a way and add some sort of narrative but it was relatively straightforward in many ways like I just listened to the world around me um, and whenever someone asked me like um, what do you suggest for if any writer that has writer's block go for a walk get on a bus mm. get on a train listen to what people are saying um, and just do some people watching and, and essentially what I did when I was writing 392. Yeah, that's fantastic. The whole idea of going outside is actually going inside. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Outside yeah. then inside. Outside yeah. to the bus stop then inside the bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I take it that you don't have headphones on so you can overhear people's conversations and things like that so you can earwig. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, d- I mean, I do love listening to music um, regularly, which is good because I'm on a radio station at the moment. But, um, I, you know, I did mix up a little bit. Um, music was also very important in, in compiling the 392. So it has that sort of musicality and rhythm and cadence in the writing. Um, so every character, even though they are very distinctive and have very distinctive voices, what, that's what I was trying to do, the general, more holistic style of the whole book mm-hmm. is pacey and rhythmical and musical because... That's just how I like to write, and that's how I think it represented what it what it means to live in London, um, and that sort of go go go, that sort of franticness, that that busyness, that constant dynamism. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think music music was a big part of it as well. Mm. But I think you really managed to capture different voices and different characters. So not just the people that are in a rush that have got mm. somewhere to go, but also perhaps the people that don't have somewhere to go, yeah. like the elderly mm. or the homeless or, or mm. people that are isolated or alone. Um, I thought that was really magical. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it would be far too dizzying of a reading experience if it was all go, go, go. Yeah, if so it was all busy people. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think characters um, based on... Sorry, there's a character called Gloria who's based on my grandmother, and uh, she's a sort of older character. And um, yes, the pace is, is somewhat slower, but that's because her story is, is far more profound. Um, you know, she recently lost somebody close to her. Uh, and um, yeah, it's just discovering what life is about post, um, post-husband. Amazing, amazing. Would I think I think I feel like I want to hear you read a piece. Would yeah. you be up for doing that? Uh, yeah, no problem at all. Um, so I'm going to read... So the 392 is told from different characters' perspectives. There's 12 different characters um, all together. And I'm going to read a small section um, from a character called Barney. And Barney is a sort of frustrated um, politician, um, but very much like me, he loves people watching. um, And he is on this bus as it approaches its final stop in Highbury. And he's just observing the world around him, um, but also becoming increasingly more nervous um, as the bus reaches um, the end of the route. Football kits stuffed in rucksacks, happy to play five aside after work midweek, not so keen on 11 aside anymore. Playing that team from Tottenham with all the young black boys smoking weed on the touchline was no longer fun. And over there is Acoustic Cafe. I still have my poppy on and people are wearing white peace poppies this year. And I had a ticket to see Bugsy Malone last week at the forum and she's had her phone stolen outside the Alma and he's had his phone stolen outside the stag. One person in a cubicle at once. We have a strict no drug policy and fee are known to operate in the area so please look after your belongings winter is here winter wonderland is coming venger out then but venger's long gone now sauntering smokers of flavored vapes strawberry and mint she's the model from the maid adverts on the tube i think who would have guessed that 21 savage was born in east the green hearts of grenfell broken i could have i should have done something about it Every other person is wearing Patagonia and have borrowed their friend of a friend's Netflix account details to binge watch the next big thing and tweet about it. They all have sarcastic Twitter bios. Round here looks like a scene from McFadden's Cold War. 
everyone is sick of single-use plastics. His yay is different to her yay, but he slid into her DMs anyway, and so for him, life is getting quite exciting. A neck tattoo doesn't necessarily make him a criminal. We've got Section 60 stop and search in full force now. It's a case of sign packages to work because there's no one to sign for them at home, and a Saturday trip to the sorting office on Cali Road isn't ideal. A Saturday trip to the sorting office on Cali Road isn't safe because of the moped-enabled crime. Weekends are for runs, walks and birthday brunches at the Fig and Olive with bottomless Prosecco. He's having his 30th at the Bussy building and she's, look, she's booked a room downstairs at Victory Mansions. We could pass by one and dance the top loader dancing in the moonlight then drop by the other and share a via van home from Peckham. She looks sexy in the Boomerang video on Insta, posted this morning from last night. She's shaking her bum. She's shaking her bum. She's shaking her bum. She's shaking her bum. The two-second video plays over and over. She's shaking her bum. She's shaking her bum. She's shaking her bum. She is shaking her bum. <laughs> Double tap, love heart like. There's an emoji now for every occasion. She does yoga, competent with all the poses. Downward facing dog and lotus onto child pose and does a little bit of Bikram too. Then a brisk walk home via Little Waitrose to get a dinner for two. And Savse super green smoothies wearing wireless headphones and listening to a playlist made up of Zara Larson, Taylor Swift, and Sigrid. Even though it's Christmas soon, she's brave. The pair of open-toed hills, the one with the gap at the back exposing the fleshy bit of her soul. Moved down to the city from a few years ago. Managed to get a decent price for a flat in Homerton, ex-council. Did it up brick by brick. Developers chomping at the bit to get a bit of her Homerton land. The overground station, the new builds, the brand new academy, the hospital, Chats Palace, Sunday markets, artisan bakeries, new Nike store on Morning Lane. And this is London. Fads, fashions and expense. The bus waits to pull out. With each turn comes great change. A London on its own journey. Working women who went to Oxford but are too ashamed to say they went to Oxford. The 20-somethings, the startups, the city workers, the million pound house owners, the renters, the council flat livers, the dossers, the squatters, the content but not quite happy, the happy but not quite safe, the people left behind. It's all Brexit and Donald Trump has tweeted this and oh, Jeremy Corbyn and momentum and anti-austerity marshes. Let's meet in the pub first. Protesting makes me thirsty. Two gin and tonics, three pints and a few packets of crisps and the man is still at the front and the mood is too tense for an Instagram story or a Facebook live video or a WhatsApp what's it. Excuse me, dear. Can you help me? May I use your telephone? Oh, that's so good. I need this book in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It yeah, is so fantastic. good. That was a beautiful reading. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely stunning. Um, where do we go from there? <laughs> Maybe we should all catch our breath and have a piece of music. All right, <laughs> what okay. have you got over there, Emma Rose? What's next up? I've got some Lil Sims. When me and Avelino used to make tracks Living die in the LDN and Nens is mad She's crazy Trappers and a whole family in the same damn flat Eve trying to get a salary while Adam out here licking shots to the cats Don't let Shibs on a Friday pulling up a J-Bob's gaff Two-two gal getting moved by two-two man Come off the decks if you can't mix it's not happening More time gunshots in the air like bat 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 
but mad. Book smart with the bars, but I never learned that from school. No. 16 doing that radio sets, I was spinning up all them fools. Spinning up, spinning up, hey. Times I would get home late to my mumsy's crib. Simbi, who you with? What have you done? Where have you been? Shit. Tears in my eyes, real tears when Ken got nicked. Tore everyone apart, but the law don't give two shits. Don't give two fucks. Just another black boy in a system, do a time it been. True. But he had a heart for the gold, good intent with a smile so big. Oh, he did. Sistering, killing with flows one by one, never killing with both. Sims is the only one in a job. It's bait, everyone in London knows. Still not, they don't wanna give no props, but life's good when you make this much dough. I'm laid back, I'm good, I'm easy. Old school was too damn easy. In my Air Force One, new era hat. Then PS2, crash bandicoot, Mortal Kombat. Used to bunt train and dip the conductor. Now I can buy all the betting from a roster. Bettings. We used to have dreams of getting out of flats. You're listening to Roaring Twenty Roaring Twenties Radio. I'm here in the studio with my co-host Emma Rose Hello. and with Ashley Hickson Lovins and Nikita Gill. Now, Ashley, that was a stunning reading. I really enjoyed it. The book is beautiful and designed beautifully. You're published by the magnificent indie publishers Own It. Personally, yeah. big fan. Yeah, so, you can them. tell me a little bit how you met Own It and what it's like working as a, with having an indie published book. Um, yeah, sure. So, Own It. Um, I knew their work because I used to be a secondary school English teacher and um, one afternoon I saw all of my year nines essentially reading this one book um, published by Own It called Prison to the Streets and it was such a great moment because it was so hard to um, engage secondary school students and to see everybody reading um, this one book published by this company called Own It uh, was just a most magical moment. Um, so I read Prison to the Streets by Robin Travis and it was set in Hackney, it was voicey, it was dramatic, it was evocative, it was all of the things that I felt my working manuscript at the time, the 392, um, was in many ways, very different, two very different books, yes, but yes, yes. similar elements in, in many ways. Yeah. Um, so I, um, <laughs> I, I messaged Own It on Twitter and I said, look, I have a manuscript, it's a bit rough, it's a bit ready, um, it's a bit rough and ready, but... This um, the three nine two. It's called the three nine two, and I would love for you to have a look. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the, after a few months, they got back to me and said it's great, and um, they want to take it on. Uh, I later found out that um, Crystal and and Jason and sort of related as well, um, which was uh, <laughs> like it was just it was meant to be essentially, and it was really great. And ever since then, it's been a real real privilege to to publish the three nine two with with Oni and um, do loads of lovely events to have Crystal and Jason support to speak to them on WhatsApp regularly Um, like it's just all love it really is and you know we we use the term family a lot Crystal uses the term family a lot to describe own it and the the agency and the publishing side and I think it's the most fitting word because 
um, we are like a family. So, and you've got your launch um, on uh, it's on Thursday, yes. fe- February the twentieth. It's going to be an exciting night of poetry and comedy and Q and A discussions and readings. Um, the night's going to be hosted by the fantastic Sophia Thakur, yeah. who is just so gorgeous and beautiful, and I just love her. And you've got special appearances from Sharifa Energy, Quincy the comedian, and Jude Yorson is going to be in conversation with you too. And there'll be a Q and A, and it's all at Second Home on Bethnal Green. And people can find tickets, can they, at the own it website own it website yep or via my twitter instagram um yes and okay. i mean the launch for the hardback was absolutely amazing one of the best nights of my life so i know this is going to be a special special night as well so next thursday um, i'm gonna be there oh amazing i'm totally gonna be there Great. absolutely okay um so uh, one last question yes. before <laughs> before we go to the next section um so your book highlights the changing landscapes of london what do you think of the London of the 20s, 20s, 2020s. What do you think, what is your hope for this city? What is your dream of this city? Do you have faith in this city? Do you have hope? What are you feeling? It's really interesting. It's a really interesting question because I actually don't live in London anymore. So I live in Norwich and I think I'm going to be living there for, for the next um, few years at least. But uh, London is home. Uh, you know, I, I grew up here. I was born here and grew up here. So I think um, London will continue to change. Um, Bus routes will continue to change. Bus routes yeah. continue to change. We were talking about it earlier. Crossrail's yeah, coming. Exactly. I was really Crossrail's coming, and that's going to change everything. Yeah. It really is. And I just well, but I was like, I still am very hazy on the details of Crossrail and HS2 and mm, how it's mm, all going to mm. impact. But I was also trying to ask Ashley about his favourite bus routes because I've grown, I grew up in London, and I there are certain bus routes definitely have certain personalities. I feel yes, like, I the, like three, that. the three nine three, the two three six. I think is a very unique personality. Yeah. Of I think the number 73 is, is 73, a very, yeah. Yeah. there's a real story on the number 73. Absolutely, yeah. It's one of those buses that keep getting, like, keeps getting shorter well, yeah. they, because they don't, they're trying to make it less bussy in the middle, I think. Less so they, bussy. Yeah, so they, um, they keep cutting it. <laughs> well, I think it's a real shame. A bit less bus on this bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's going to be, it's, it's always, London's always changing. And what's, what I've noticed is like places like, you know, Croydon and Bromley are becoming their own sort of cities, but London is getting bigger in itself and, displacement happens and the finance changes and it's just always always so rapid um so yeah you've got to sort of hold on tight if you're a Londoner you yeah. hold on tight and buckle up for the ride okay. um, but it's one of the, I mean, the greatest cities in the world super super quick super quick last question oh okay one. imagine <laughs> imagine I forgot I've got I, I want to ask everyone this because this is my little thing okay. okay imagine I give you a, you've, you've got a time machine man okay. imagine you've got a time machine yeah. you can go to any 20s you can go to the 1920s 1820s 1720s but, or even the future mm, into the okay. future which 20s which century Twenty twenties? Would you go to? And more importantly, what gift gift are you going to bring back for me and Emma Rose? Yes, gifts. Oh, that's that's a really good question. We're all about the presents. That's a really good question. Um, I feel like my answer is going to be so boring. I feel like my answer is going to be the nineteen twenties, simply because, like, I just think of, you know, I used to be an English teacher teaching the Great Gatsby at A level and stuff, and I just think of, like. You know, secret parties at the back, and you know, the back. Um, Speakeasies. Speakeasies, yes. And um, I'm going to bring you back some bourbon. You know, some like amazing, yeah, yeah. Mm, Can have some laudanum as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, nice, like side order of laudanum. Thank you very much. That's all right. I love my present that you brought me from (laughs) the nineteen twenties. Much appreciated. (laughs) And we've got a track that you chose. Do you want to introduce it? Um, it was so easy for me to like choose this song for two reasons. Like we just talked about how great Own It is as a publisher. Yeah. Um, and also it's a bit of a good song. Um, Also like 
Team Stormzy. Um, so Stormzy and Own It. Nice okay. choice. One time lighters are pulled up in the party when you saw me, I was lighting up my J. So go ahead and brighten up my day. Lighters in the air when you're lighting up the rave, and it's feeling like I met you here before. Girl, I felt your presence when they let you through the door. Never had a brother give you everything and more, so I take a little piece and then the rest of it is yours, me and more. I. You don't care when I don't tell you, but can you taste and I play? That you wind up your waist, I'm so in awe Girl, you never have to worry about nothing You know it's yours, you know you're Hold it, girl, you just hold it Cause your body's on fire Show me how to control it And go ahead, you step and get higher Girl, I love how you hold it I put my hand up Listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Selena Gordon here with my co-host and friend Amma Rose Abrams. If you're tu- if you're listening live, we're live today. This is the first time the show's been live. We're live in rainy Soho. If you want to chat to us, you can tweet us at Roaring Twenties Radio, and also we're on Instagram. Um, it's just at Roaring, as in Roaring, <laughs> and then Twenties Two O S, and then Radio. 
Okay, so we're now in that section where we hand over to Emma Rose and you're going to tell us what's been tickling your fancy this month. Yeah, so what's been tickling my fancy is... Um, well, I w- uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago, it feels like forever ago, it, it really wasn't, um, I went to the Rotterdam International Film Festival, which I hadn't attended before. Um, it's an old festival, it's been going for, it celebrates 50 years next year, so it's very established, but it's definitely the more alternative of the old established film festivals like you can or your Venice. Um uh, and they had some kind of like the 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 um, programming is a little more alternative as well. Really interestingly, uh, there was a Lydia Lutch documentary made by Beth B, who uh, and they're they're old friends, and it's called "The War Is Never Over." Lydia Lunch was present and angry, which was great to see. And um, in a world where we talk about activism and changing things and going against the grain quite a lot, it was very very inspiring to see somebody who is just so from the ground up an activist stands by what she believes is unflinching and um and has been arguing the things that we've been discussing you know really recently about identity about the patriarchy about race relations for 30 40 years um so that was really really interesting to see she's still angry thinks we haven't made any progress really um, and uh, and so that was fantastic to see. And that that's called The War Is Never Over by Beth B, who you can search. And it's part of the No Wave film movement. Great shots of um, falling apart New York as well in the early 80s, which is always good. And you're like, did it really look like that? Yes, it did. Um, and there was another fantastic film that I saw there. I make sure I pronounce this properly. My Spanish is not fantastic. But it's CEO Fuera El Iver... Inverno mismo, which means if I were the same winter. And um, basically, it's a film by Jasmine Lopez. It was it invokes. I thought it was super interesting because it invokes um, John Luke Goddard, um, Haroon Farouki, and Anna Mendita. And in the course of this, kind of all these people go to this beautiful falling down house for a holiday. And there's kind of a relationship breakup happening. And then just throughout the course of the film, they'll go into reenacting these kind of historic, you know, worshipped pieces of art. And it works really well. And you wouldn't think that it does. And it's totally surprising. It takes you on this journey. And you just have it's one of these great... I love work, uh, film, artwork, anything that kind of takes you by the nose. And you just have to go with it. And it's something like that. And I thought it was really, really unique. Um, and young female director, which was great to see. There's also a show by the Quay Brothers at Tent Rotterdam called Dream Pools and Collecting Holes. And I was interested to know they've been trying to finish this um, piece of animation for, I think, 10 years, and they still haven't finished it. And so this was a way of kind of tapping into that process. So it's a kind of immersive show with these tiny, I don't know if you know the work of the Quay Brothers, but it's all stock frame animation. So it's these kind of vignettes, little tiny vignettes of film that they've put together for, you know, over whole, which was really, really interesting and cool. But art-wise, in London, um, we had Derek Adams open at Luxembourg and Diane. Um, he's an American 
painter young and he uh he his work is it's all inspired by wig world what i think of as wig world wig world in finsbury park where it's like a black hair shop and you can try on all the different hair but he's basically taken the black hair shop dummy and drawn on all these different huge paintings like we're talking two and a half meters high and he's done the different hair on all of them wow, wow. yeah and it's cool they look really graphic and they're very painterly and gorgeous and it's just it's great and that's just down the road in Mayfair at Luxembourg and Diane so it's great you know a little bit of a juxtaposition even today to have these great wig world inspired paintings up there in Mayfair and there's is wig world different to where you know like packs you got like packs it's packs oh it's packs yeah yeah yeah, opposite packs there's a wig one oh wow okay oh that sounds really interesting yeah Yeah. it's cool exactly and he's kind of he's very he's a black painter Mm. and he's very much interested in documenting the black every day and he feels like this is his um this is his voice um and where he finds the most power that's so cool i love the fact that he's taken frenzy park and it's like been yeah. You know. Oh, he's Brooklyn. I'm just associating my wig world associations oh, with him. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. trying to be no, relatable. That sounds really cool, though. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it is great. It's great, yeah. definitely. And then there was a fantastic Melvin Edwards, who has a show that opened at Stephen Friedman. And um, basically, he is 85 years old. He's from Houston. And he does these kind of, in the modernist tradition, um, very, they're kind of anti-slavery works in huge sculptures, some huger than others, in steel and um, paintings. And it's all to do with the mechanics, I think, of slavery. So lots of chains, hammers, the tools of work. Mm-hmm. But he reshapes it into a really con- like a American modernist language. So it's very much looks like your classic modernist American work, but obviously it's different. So it's fantastic. And... Um, We've got, and then also Hito Style and Haroon Faruqi at Today's Road Pack, two amazing film shows. And last week, I also have been busy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> been this around. Is this is great. This been is around. Great. I went to see, it's amazing. Went up to Nottingham, got on the train, went up to Nottingham last Friday for the opening of Denzel Forrester's Itching and Scratching, which um, was at Nottingham Contemporary, curated by the director there, Sam Thorne. And Denzel's work is fascinating. We hope to chat to Denzel in more depth yeah, yeah, at some yeah. point. But basically, he's become more famous now. But in the 80s, he would sketch in dub clubs in Brixton and he'd just do live sketches of parties, basically. And he'd sit there sketching and um, he trans- and then he'd go back to the studio and turn them into these paintings it- that are just phenomenal. Um not a cliche. I, I don't want to sound cliched in the way to describe them, but they are bright. They're full of movement, but they're also very classically done, but of people at dub raves. And there's some of it's more political as well. There's some protest work about police brutality back then and now, I guess. And um, it's but it's all inspired by music, and you can and they're big and dramatic and you just you can't help but be swayed by them they're very joyful um but i know that you've also you wanted we wanted to talk about kelly's show 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kelly um, and David has a show as part of the Kapow Gang, and the Kapow show is up at the Stoke Potteries Museum. Um, it continues until the 27th of September, but it just opened this week. It explores artists' relationships with comic books, superheroes, and supervillains. And it's got some amazing people involved, like Dougie Field and Pam Hogg and Kelly Ann David, and many, many, many more. Check that out. Um, Kelly's piece, um, The Most Powerful Woman in the Universe, is there and she's just painted this huge massive great big she-ra which is just so powerful and it's all about women's empowerment and um, I just want to put a shout out to Kelly yo yo (laughs) (laughs) and now we have we asked Denzel um, this week to give us a track something that he used to sketch to because we thought it'd be so wonderful try and evoke something of what he does Um, and so now we've got this chat that he chose it's called Moulding and it's by Ijaman Levi Just speak loud. 
Okay, so this month's roundup of spoken word and poetry related releases, I'm going to kick off with Maria Ferguson's debut poetry collection, All Right Girl, which is being published by Burning Eye Books on the 2nd of March. Uh, I'm just going to read the blurb for you. Extremely personal, yet highly relatable, All Right Girl is a frank exploration of class, gender and belonging. Maria Ferguson reflects on her working class heritage, her journey into womanhood and the choices she must now face in an age of austerity and gentrification. Full of heart and humour, these poems chart the familiarity of East End pubs, the pangs of loss, the mercy of love and the inescapable bonds of female friendship. Now, I might be a little bit biased, some of you might be aware of that, but I've read the manuscript of this collection and it absolutely, it's absolutely stunning. It's heartbreakingly good, it's funny, it's tender, it's beautiful. There's such a range of different writing styles and writing forms. It's just a really, really accomplished uh, outstanding book and it's available to pre-order now so if you go to mariaferg.com you can pre-order it now uh, alongside her other two books and it has been published by burning eye on the 2nd of march and the launch i believe is at the roebuck tavern in borough on the 8th of april but more details for that to come soon um, another pre-order we've got genevieve carver a beautiful way to be crazy that's coming out on verve poetry press on the 27th of feb uh, Genevieve Carver, I've sometimes known her as Jevy Carver as well, so you might know her as Jevy Carver. Uh, she's a Sheffield-based artist. She's done a lot of work in music, a lot of work in theatre, and obviously a lot of work in poetry as well. And I'm really, really excited to read this book because I love Genevieve's work. Every time I've seen her, she's developed, she's brought on a new style, she's adapted her voice. And I think that seeing her work on the page like this, uh, in this new collection on Verve, is, is, is going to be a beautiful thing. So that's also available to pre-order. It's out on the 27th of Feb, and as I say, it's been published by Verve Poetry Press. Okay, so another pre-order. These things are all hot off a press. You can't even get your hands on them yet. That's how exciting they are. Um, this is with Bad Betty Press. So it's actually a special double pack that you can pre-order for £10. So we've got Poems for My FBI Agent by Charlotte Gita, and we've got Bloodthirsty for Marriage by Susanna Dickey. You can get both of those pamphlets together for £10. They're being released by Bad Betty Press on the 9th of March. So head to badbettypress.com to check those out, as well as a range of other things, obviously. Um, the next release that I wanted to speak about 
it actually came out at the tail end of last year. So this isn't hot off the press. Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty fresh. It came out in October. But there's a reason I'm mentioning it. So this is uh, A Choir of Honest Killers by Buddy Wakefield. This is Buddy's first book, um, first new book of prose and poetry in eight years. Um, and he's actually going to be over in the UK on tour throughout the whole of May as part of a world tour. So he's in the UK in May as part of a world tour, but you should buy A Choir of Honest Killers. It's stunning. I'm a big fan of Buddy's work, and, and this new collection, I think, is him at his best. So get online, get that ordered, and then if you're lucky, when all the dates start going on sale, you'll be able to buy a ticket to go and see him wherever you are in May. Um, okay, so the penultimate release that I want to speak about is a new book that's coming out on Hashtag Murky Books. So Hashtag Murky Books, I'm sure you know, is the uh, impress from Stormzy on Penguin. So they published uh, Taking Up Space, which is the Black Girls Manifesto for Change. They first published that back in June 2019, and it was like their flagship release. Um, and that was a book that came out. It's by Ori Ogabinyi and Chelsea Quache. Um, and what's really exciting is, first of all, the pre-order for the paperback is currently out. The paperback's coming out at the end of Feb. But as well as that, Sid Gentle Films, who are the production company behind Killing Eve, they've won the TV rights to turn Taking Up Space into a TV show. So this was the flagship release from Stormzy's hashtag murky books. The paperback is out at the end of February. But as well as that, we've just had the news that Sid Gentle Films have won the TV rights to turn it into a show. So it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, which is really, really exciting news. Um, so the last thing that I want to speak about is Pessimism is for Lightweights by Selena Godden. Uh, that is a new release insofar as it's going to be a new public art piece. It was unveiled yesterday on the side of the People's History Museum in Salford, which is really, really exciting news. I'm sure you'll hear more about that poem in this episode, but I just want to speak about it from a personal perspective. So it was initially commissioned by John Higgs in 2017. And it was first performed at a For The Many rally at Kentish Town Forum in London. I was there in the audience with Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, not with him, it's just he was there as well. Um, it then became a public art piece at the Arnolfina Gallery in Bristol from January 18 to August 19. It became the title of the work, Pessimism is for Lightweights, 13 Pieces of Courage and Resistance, published by Rough Trade in June 2018. Uh, it's been performed at Trafalgar Square, at Parliament Square, the March for Women, Extinction Rebellion, pubs, theatres, bars, festivals all around the country. And I've been really lucky because I've seen a lot of those performances. And I've seen that this poem the reaction it sparks amongst the audience. This poem's achieved more on its own than most people could hope to achieve from like an entire collection or entire body of work. The atmosphere, the mood that it instills, it's just utterly incredible to witness. And I've seen it again and again, and it's just become more powerful each time. And the fact that it's been... Uh, displayed now on the side of the People's History Museum in Salford to mark their 10th birthday, I think is amazing and it should be the official anthem for the world. So the final release I wanted to speak about was Selena Godden's poem, Pessimism is for Lightweights, which is now on the side of the People's History Museum. And that rounds up this week's, uh, sorry, this month's selection of poetry and spoken word releases. Cheers. Change. 
prick. Deal with it. Walking back through my old estate, I see my mates that hit my mates, and they don't wanna stay safe. They say you've changed. Fuck. Deal with it. Listening to Roaring Twenties Radio. We are live on Soho Radio. Shout out to Robert Greer. Thank you for your message. And shout out to Mr. Godden for our fantastic new theme tune. We've been loving it. We've played it three times. And I'm sure we'll play it another three times yes. before the end <laughs> of the show. We really love it. Thank you, Dickie. Thank you. Okay, you just heard the roundup of poetry books. That was from Matt Abbott dialing it in from his very secret mission in Wales. Fantastic lineup of books there. Did you like those books, everyone? Yes. So cool. So good. There was some really good ones in there. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, thank you for being so kind about pessimism is for lightweights, Matt. That really touched me. Okay. Nikita Gill is in the house. Hello. Nikita Gill, raised in New Delhi. Nikita moved to the UK to take a master's degree, choosing eventually to stay and focus on her writing, working as a cleaner and then as a carer to do so. That's the real shit. The author is, has several collections of poetry. She's a regular contributor to anthologies. She's also an ambassador for National Poetry Day and she frequently speaks at events around the country. She has over gazillion, gazillion, gazillion Instagram fans and a gazillion, million, zillion Facebook followers. She has amazing famous fans like Kara and Alanis and Jamila and Nikesh and Selena. <laughs> <laughs> Nikita Gill is one of the most exciting young writers working today. I'm really privileged and happy to have her here. She's embraced poetry, prose, visual art, theatre, social media for her writing. 
Um, her latest collection is Great Goddesses, Life, Lessons from Myths and Monsters. It was published in September 2019. It's a stunning collection of stories and poems about goddesses and gods from Greek mythology, from the potent venom of Medusa to the rising up of Athena over Olympus. Nikita retells these stories of mothers, warriors, creators, survivors and destroyers that shook the world. Accompanied by her own very beautiful hand-drawn illustrations, Nikita weaves old and forgotten tales of might, fury and love into something new. It's a timely and feminist book. Thank you for making it. Thank you so much for having me and for those lovely things that you've just said, honestly. <laughs> you are like one of my heroes, so this is very cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, same back at you. This is, this is like, we're going to have like a hero-worshipping circle here. Um, okay, so... I'm going to start with this question, which took me a while to write. So this is the first question, um, just as I, in, and hopefully we'll um, share a little why I love this book so much. So, I'd like to go back to the beginning, if I may. I remember being a little girl and being fascinated by myths and fables and gods and goddesses. I can remember folding paper to make my own book of gods and goddesses. Um, I recall poring over it and uh, and trying to get the snakes on Medusa's head just right. Medusa was my favourite, and and trying to draw. The, the snakes on her head, and when I read your book, it took me back there to that to that curiosity and to those stories. And I also pictured you as a child, perhaps doing something like this. I imagined you also being enraptured by mythologies, by other worlds, by there being more to life than this. Can you tell me a bit about yourself and those first stories that triggered this work, and the myths that captured your heart and your imagination? Uh, this I you know I really do love um, talking about origin stories right like I think I, I do that in Great Goddesses I did that in Fierce Fairy Tales um, because I think like mine as well is like a villain origin story I'm trying anyway to be like a great super villain but I don't know <laughs> if it's working yet um, <laughs> you're not very super villain you've got the nicest face <laughs> I do I giggle an awful lot to be a villain it, it just doesn't work um, but when I was a kid, um, I grew up in a family of readers. And I think one of the greatest blessings was that I had this house where everyone read everything from old Westerns to mythology to folklore to, you know, and, and being introduced to all of that at a really young age. Um, it really, um, it makes you a very strange child. I, I thought of myself as a very strange child because... Um, my parents didn't read me fairy tales to start with. They read me mythology. They read me Hindu mythology. They read me uh, Greek mythology. And I, I think it, it gave me a very strange relationship with my own religion because I'm a Sikh um, and my mum's Hindu. So it, it just, pantheons became really interesting to me since I was a very young girl. And I remember my mum reading these stories to me and I had a lot of questions. Like, why did Zeus treat Hera like that? She's his wife. That's awful why you know and there were no answers mm. because the stories were all told from the points of view of men yes um so where does a little girl find herself in those stories um where women are portrayed as holding men's stories together um and they were not defined outside of that uh the goddess i found most hope in was artemis because artemis is untamable you know um and athena who Despite them trying their hardest to make her a part of the 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 you know the Greek patriarchy, she just doesn't listen. Um, 
so yeah, that's that, this book has been percolating for years since I was a little girl. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> that's all I can feel. I can feel yeah, years of of yeah, of kind of thinking and and asking those questions. Have you got a favorite myth or a favorite goddess or a, have you got a yeah a favorite? I know that's a strange. It's it's really hard to choose because when I was writing this book, I began to empathize even with the goddesses that. I didn't necessarily like. And funnily enough, by the end of writing it, Hera was my favorite. Okay. And then I wrote my first play, which is told from the point of view of Hera, which is Maidens, Myths and Monsters. Yes, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Maidens, Myths and Monsters is going to be your one-woman show based on the book. And this is very exciting. What, what Can you tell us more about that? So it came out in, 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 in January in the Omnibus, and I did 10 nights at the Omnibus Theatre. They were very kind, very supportive theatre. Um and in, in Clapham, and it basically is, I like to describe it as, as me on stage as Hera, very angry and yelling at people uh, <laughs> for an hour. Um, and and it, uh, because the story is, is it's theatrically told, and it, it very much is like someone reading a story out to you. And I think all of us have had that experience, you know, since we were children. And it just means a lot to have someone read a story to you. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to bring that you know, the old style of telling poetry where people would just tell the story through a poem, like Homer's uh, work, you know, was all told orally. So that's what I tried to do with Maidens, Myths and Monsters. Um, and I had a great time. And I think the audience liked it. So that was good. <laughs> so is there going to be more shows and more performances of that? Because I'd love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. We're um, we're hoping to, we're now going to try and go on tour with it. We're going to train up an actress to do it instead of me because, well, I'm a bit too close to it, I think. <laughs> Get really involved. Um, <laughs> and and um, then after that, we've, I've got a second play coming out called The Water Witches, which is based off Hecate, the goddess of necromancy. Yes. And Styx, the goddess of hatred. Then they are mother-daughter kind of relationship, so it's very cool. Well, tell us a little bit more about that, please. <laughs> so I love the goddesses who are like slightly more unknown. So Styx, um, everyone knows her as the river, to, into the underworld that Chiron takes you, know, you on and then deposits you where you're supposed to be. Um, very few people, even I didn't know, is that she is an actual goddess and she is the goddess of hatred, which I didn't even know you needed a goddess for that. Like, surely. That's amazing. But she embraces that about herself and she she's so unrepentant, unapologetic. And uh, what essentially happens, at least in my story, is Hikati is... Um, there's a, well, going back in Greek mythology, there's a Titanomachy, which is a war between the Titans and the Olympians, which is a power struggle for the throne. Um, and, and Hecate is the daughter of Titans, so she is a Titan goddess as well. But her mother is being pursued by both Poseidon and Zeus, mm -hmm. um, who want her as the spoils of war, which is what, even if you're a goddess, this will happen to you. That I found really interesting as well when researching this. And she doesn't know what to do because she has this baby who is Hikati. And so she gives Hikati to Styx to raise. So that's the story. And Styx is the most unmaternal. I know. Would you give your <laughs> child to hatred? <laughs> <laughs> so Hikati has this upbringing where she's raised by this goddess of hatred who is very unmaternal. In a really funny river. Yeah, like in, in the in underworld. In the well, underworld. not funny. <laughs> Quite the opposite. Dodgy, funny. dodgy, yeah, yeah. Dodgy, dodgy river. river. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone's dying. Go to hell. Oh, funny river. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it so much. But yeah, it's just really interesting to play around with this strange landscape with these characters. It's great. This is exciting stuff. Very exciting. And I just love these. I love this idea of revisiting these because I feel like mythic mythical characters are yeah, mythical they they've la- you know they've lasted the test of time we remember them and they are always there for us to retrieve at any time which is what i think as characters makes them so wonderful and um we are at a time when we're retelling these stories that were told from a male perspective reclaiming our history and i think this is just such sounds like such a fantastic way of doing it yeah yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so there's so much magic and warmth in your work, Nikita. I find your poetry powerful and intimate and timeless. In fact, I consider you a modern day goddess. So here's a question: In this troubled, troubled world, what are the powers of the modern goddess and poet? Um, I think words are the most powerful thing in the world, and we can see how they can be used as a sword to kill or they can be used as something to empower. And I, my grandfather used to tell me this, that at the end of the day, all we are are our stories, the stories that we give to our children and to our grandchildren. And if you are going to give a story to someone, make sure it's a good one. Mm. And I think that's a really great and powerful thing to give to a grandchild because I grew up with this idea that I want people, when they tell talk about me, I would like them to remember me as kind or as someone who used to empower other people. Um, and I think that's that's the power you have as a modern day poet, as a modern day uh, anyone, you know, you have the power of giving someone a really good story. Mm. You know, That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And kind of the power, like words also to heal and to share. And, and yeah, and I think your work really does that. I mean, I see people just like, like um, I see the reactions that they have to your work. You're definitely kind of like a, it's almost like a big sister. And they're so, so like, I just see these you know, young girls writing on your page and just uh, getting so much inspiration and so much sort of guidance and light in, in your message. Um, and, and I'm really, you know, I, I don't it's just fantastic. I'm really proud oh, of what you're you doing. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you too, man. <laughs> I love you too, sister. Okay, let's move on to another question. So, Slam. You're going to want to hear this. Yes. So this is going to be published uh, next month in April 2020 by Macmillan Children's Books. This sounds amazing. It's a joyful celebration of contemporary poet and contemporary and modern poetry. Sorry. And I see you've got my great friend Dean Atta involved. Who else is involved? What's going on? This is exciting. Tell us all about it. Um, So I I think one of the things which I I love about... um, being a writer is bigging up other writers. Like I call myself everyone's fangirl because I love reading other writers' work. I love reading other poets' work. And when I was trying to break into the publishing industry, I had a really hard time. Like, you know, for a long time, people call me an Instapoet. Like, what do you even know? Like, you, 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 you know, you, you haven't used the traditional means of like becoming. It must have been very frustrating. Um, it, it is, especially because I was writing in my second language and there were people critiquing me who were writing in their first language and, and kind of telling me that you're essentially what you do is crap. Mm. Um, and it's, it's hard, which is exactly the experiences I remembered. And I went, do you know what would be really great if people who have had that experience as well, because slam poets have had a very similar experience where they've kind of been told, oh, but you're just a slam poet. 
but there's no such thing as slam poets or insta poets or page poets. You're just poets. Right? Yeah, You're, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been called so many things like urban poet. I think it's probably the most insulting. Yeah. Sort of, or, you know, of what you mean is I'm I'm black, but you just yeah. can't say it. Yeah. Sort of urban poet, yeah. insta poet. Or the idea that when you go to the countryside, you suddenly cease to be a poet. It's like what happens if you're on the train. You know, you're not. You like get the train from London to Manchester, and you're just not a poet when you go through the green belt. Oh my I, God. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> you, you're only an urban poet. It's yeah. ridiculous. Urban, po- yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, yeah. So um, the, yeah, I just I I always prefer just to be called poet. I, I'm even a bit funny about spoken word yeah. performer because yeah. that makes it feel makes it feel like I'm Mr. Bojangles. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to get up and tap dance on the table for you or something. Well, this is it. Like I just don't think these labels are very helpful everyone who is writing poetry is a poet and the the kinship I felt with with the slam poets because I was given that label which I felt was really uncomfortable made me realize that there are no such things as slam poets they're just poets who know how to make the audience feel present in a slam it's like an added skill or being able to read your work in such an engaging way or like speak your truth in such an engaging way that the audience is with you every mm. step of the way. Um, so I curated this collection of, of um, up-and-coming slam poets along with like some very special guest stars like Dean Atta and Raymond Antrobus, um, which is... That's so cool. Great yeah. names. Yeah. I love yeah. Dean. He's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dean's fantastic. And Raymond's like, a superstar too. Yes, yeah. yeah. Hey. Yeah. That's going to be brilliant. Yeah. We, we got really lucky. Um, everyone's coming in to read out their work in the audiobook as well. So you really get to experience it. And the audiobook um, and the book in general is done in a way where, um, you, you know, I int- I'm like the MC. So <laughs> I like in there introducing everyone and like everyone comes up and then does their bit and does a little intro to why they wrote the poem. And it's it's beautiful. All of the work looks so beautiful on the page and is so beautiful spoken out. It's it's just it's such a great passion project and I've really enjoyed making it. Thank yeah. you. That's brilliant. OK, talking about hearing people reading their work out loud. <laughs> Please, can we have a poem or two from you? What would you like to read us today? So I am going to do two poems. I'm going to do one from Great Goddesses, which is um, Euronymy. Um, uh, Euronymy, the mother of all things. And this is like the an alternative creation myth um, where, according... So I, I've read this in Robert Graves. Um, he's, he's really great at compiling Greek mythology. He basically talks about how um, back in the day, there was also this idea that you know, women didn't actually need men to get pregnant. Like, they could get pregnant by anything, like the air. <laughs> if they felt like it, they could just create. <laughs> and I, I quite, I, I thought that was a very interesting concept. Um, and this alternative creation myth is about a goddess called Euronymy, who was the mother of all things. This is a lesser-known story. It is a genesis entirely woman-whispered in the shadows when we meet in secret, plotting escapes from unwanted marriages or to untangle darker devil-deemed desires. They mama, in the beginning of everything, from the bones of chaos, rose a girl who built the universe, the stars, the planets, all because she was looking for a place to dance. And she waltzed the earth awake, and the rhythm of her feet fermented the stars alive. The synchronized sorcery of her fingertips brought the solar system to life, 
and the flow of her arms looped around the sun and commanded him to open his eyes. But of course, the rest of the tale is broken too. This is the story told in hushed tones. It is the version of the tale they do not want you to know. After all, what is more powerful than women who know all about the blessed fires inside them that grow? Beautiful. So good. Thank you. So, so good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I was gonna. I was actually gonna read uh, something from Slam uh, because I put poem in there, which actually isn't anywhere, um, and it's from my new collection, which is my novel in verse. Um, in India, we have a system called arranged marriage, and it's still something which is practiced, um, and I, you know, to the point that people even ask, "Did you have a love marriage or did you have an arranged marriage?" You know, mm. um, and when I was younger, uh, my parents were like, "Okay, you're like." 21 now it's time to like get on the you know arrange my we're gonna meet make you int introduce you to these men who who we think may be appropriate <laughs> um um you know partners for you and everything which is which is insane because on paper someone can look really great and mm. then as a human being because human beings are complex nuanced creatures they can be very strange um <laughs> and like i i had lots of funny experiences one of the guys um you know, first thing he said to me is pointed to his hairline, which I hadn't even noticed. And he goes, don't worry about this. My mother's giving me fish oil, so I won't go bald too fast. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> wow. Uh, Does that work? No, it's a 60. <laughs> no, but it's just, it just. Run. I, I just found it like a really interesting first experience. But um, the poem I wrote, it took me a long time to like put all of those experiences because one of the things that they ask you, um, these men would ask me, is, is you know, describe yourself. So this poem is called, The Guy My Parents Want Me to Marry Asks Me to Describe Myself. Okay. Say, Look, I am a commitment phobe, and this isn't my fault. This is because people are generally crap. Too many lovers who have insisted they loved me have left the hot water running too long in my house and not cared about the planet in the very specific way I do. Or voted Tory. Or <laughs> told me my alu gobi isn't great and I'll have you know it's brilliant. <laughs> or not like red wine. Or sorry. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is don't worry. I'm not due to fall in love till 2024 anyway. My tarot cards told me so. I mean, if you believe in that kind of thing. I mean, it's not wild that I check my horoscope every morning, is it? Or that I know I'm a Gemini, Sun, Aries, Moon, and Capricorn rising. And if the day is going to be really bad for any of those three signs, I carry red jasper in my, red, my right pocket for anxiety and an amethyst in my bra to dispel bad luck. <laughs> None of this is weird. I know, because my tarot cards told me so. But really, the best way to get to know me is not to read the poetry. Don't follow me on Instagram. And for God's sakes, definitely don't visit my Twitter. You see, women like me, we're made from a different kind of mud. We watched our mothers wear silence instead of mouths for so long, followed religions that told them that women are always smaller than the men in their lives. We didn't have a choice but to grow these repressed voices into howls in our bellies, let them swell and tumble out as jagged opinions. We built skyscrapers instead of castles, read Audrey Lord instead of Williams Wordsworth, bell hooks instead of Mahatma Gandhi, sharpened our own bones into knife points just in case we needed to weaponize our bodies, and 
And it doesn't stop there. You see, those are the better parts. You see, hiding pain as courage is what all good wolves do. I have named harsh hands home. I have stumbled after women who could not decide if I was an experiment or a forever. I have been a scarlet woman for so long I can't even remember his name. Just the red letter he left on my mind. You need a cast iron stomach to digest me. Which is to say, I don't think there is anyone in this world who can survive me. Which is to say, sometimes you need to leave wild things just the way you found them. Alone. Absolutely Ooh. phenomenal. Wow. <laughs> I'm speechless. Please, can we go to a piece of music? Yeah, yeah. I think we need it. <laughs> this has been chosen by Nikita. I'm going to just let it play. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. And I'm feeling good. Fish in the sea, you know how I feel. River running free, you know how I feel. Blossom on the tree, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, and I'm feeling good. Dragonfly out in the sun, you know what I mean, don't you know? Butterflies all having fun, you know what I mean? Sleep in peace when day is done, that's what I mean. And this old world is a new world and a bold world for me. Stars, when you shine, you know how I feel. Send out the pine, you know how It's a new day, it's a new life for me. someone different that I did not want to be.
but I'm new here. Will you show me around? Met a woman in a bar. Told her I was hard to get to know. Nearby impossible to forget. closest thing I have to voice reason. Okay, so to begin this month's roundup of the best spoken word events around the country, I want to start with a Nymphs and Fugs artist, Louise Fazakali. Louise is on the Glass Arc tour between now and the end of April. She's got dates uh, all over the country, so this coming Wednesday she's in Leicester at Find the Right Words, which is the night run by Jess Green. She's then got dates in Rochester, Paris, 
Leeds, Liverpool, Sale and Woking. And I think she might have a date in New York on the horizon as well. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Louise is an absolutely outstanding performer. She blew me away the first time I saw her and she, she does every single time. Um, she headlined Livewire Leeds last week at Hyde Park Book Club. And yeah, she just blew everyone away. She's got a new collection out called The Lolitas, which is out on Verve Poetry Press, which is one of the things that she's promoting on this tour. Um, but yeah, if you're anywhere near any of those places, make sure you uh, check her out. Go to louisevapoet.co.uk for a full list of the dates. It's already festival season, would you believe? So we've got Verve Poetry Festival, which is in Birmingham from the 21st to the 23rd of Feb. Uh, Verve Poetry Festival has been going for about five years or so now and it's coming on leaps and bounds and what really distinguishes it from from other festivals is that it has a heavy focus on spoken word now i know that you shouldn't really differentiate between poetry and spoken word on a technical level but they are two different scenes and a lot of people who feel like they're quite well known on the spoken word scene might not get booked at some of the more literary festivals so verve's really changed that it's a fantastic festival we're really lucky we've got a live wire event our live wire birmingham event takes place at, on the saturday night at the festival so as well as selena we've got toria garbutt oakley and Sile katebi i'll be hosting that event the tickets for that are outrageously cheap they're between 650 and 450 um and also we're doing a workshop in the afternoon but i'm pretty sure that's nearly sold out but you should check out the full program so check out the full verve poetry fest program some really incredible artists um it takes place at the birmingham hippodrome between the 21st and 23rd of Feb, uh, and just head to vervepoetryfestival.com. You can get day tickets, weekend tickets, and they're all really, really cheap. So another festival around my neck of the woods, uh, Leeds Lit Fest returns for the second year, and that takes place between the 4th and the 8th of March, all around Leeds. Uh, my personal picks would be Kevin P. Gilday, another Nymphs and Fugs artist. He's doing a spoken word extravaganza on Wednesday the 4th, and Banks Ever Gun are up there on Thursday the 5th. Uh, but there's loads of different artists. We've got Joe Williams doing a pub crawl with his Otley Run book, Vicky Foster, loads of different artists and, and workshops as well. So make sure you check that out. Go to leadslitfest.co.uk to check that out if you're up that neck of the woods. If not, you might be down in Bristol. So Lyra, Bristol Poetry Festival. Um, it's This year's focus is our climate, nature and romance. It's a really, really fantastic lineup. Poets ranging from Simon Armitage to Zena Edwards, Amy Aker to Danes Smith. Uh, that takes place around Bristol between Friday the 13th and Sunday the 22nd of March. So that's definitely one to check out. That's Lyra Poetry Festival in Bristol. Our friends at Raise the Bar are definitely doing an event or two there. If you go to visitbristol.co.uk, you can get loads of information about it. If you're in London, which I'm guessing is likely if you're listening to uh, Soho Radio... Outspoken Live are at the Southbank Centre on Thursday the 27th of Feb. If you're very, very lucky, there might be a handful of tickets left. As well as Simon Armitage, who we've already mentioned, uh, we've got Fran Locke and some really, really good emerging talent and some music from Caleb Femi as well. So make sure you head to outspokenlondon.com uh, and check that out. And last but not least, uh, a shout out for another Nymphs and Fugs artist, Luke Wright. He's currently touring his new show, The Remains of Logan Danquith, um, all over the country. He gets to all kinds of nooks and crannies. So as well as London, the Wanstead Tap, he's also in Manchester, Chesterfield, Dis, all over the country. And this is the third play in a trilogy. So we had What I Learned from Johnny Bevan and we had Frankie Var. Now we've got The Remains of Logan Danquith. This is the third part of the trilogy. So if you like Luke and his stuff, head to lukewright.co.uk and he's doing a... 
ridiculous amount of dates around the country, so check him out. So yeah, they are my highlights for spoken word poetry events around the country over the next month.
a man Welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio, and um, so, um, sorry, I'm a bit flustered. Um, we were just having a little dance in the studio there. A little bit flustered, let me catch my breath. Okay, we're now in the bit of the show where I'm going to do my book roundup. Um, thank you again to uh, Matt Abbott telling us which gigs to go to. It's a fantastic, um, fantastic list of shows and poetry gigs and festivals coming up really looking forward to going to the festival next weekend um performing um with live wire and nymphs and thugs that's going to be brilliant okay my book list so this month i've been doing um a lot of reading as i always do um but i'm all about the zines this week my, uh, this month my favorite zine is gob g-o-b it's so fantastic it's diy if you're into your diy indie reading check out g-o-b it's on twitter at g-o-b underscore mag um so i got a couple of issues of that that i've been delving into and i've been really enjoying that also, um, I've been re rereading and revisiting the work of Roddy Lumsden. Um, I was at his funeral on Monday. Um, it was great. Um, it was an amazing funeral. Um, so many um, beautiful poetry friends and family there. Um, and uh, I, I rediscovered his book Super Try Again by Donut Press, which I just, which was just, yeah, just really, really beautiful. Is like earlier work. What else have I been reading? Um, Novel-wise, I've been reading Things in Jars by Jess Kidd. 
I am loving this book. I haven't finished it yet, but I have, I've been reading it. I'm just loving it. It's just brilliant. It's powerful um, and trippy as, and really trippy and surreal. Uh, it's kind of Victorian, um, of, of sort of set in Victorian London. And I just think it's fantastic. Jess Kidd. Um, it's published by Canongate. Um, and I, I, I'm really loving getting stuck into that. In fact, actually, tomorrow, if it's all stormy, that's literally what I'm going to be doing. Um Audiobooks, I've been, I got really into um, Prince, the beautiful ones on Audible. That's, peng, that's a Penguin audiobook. You know how much I love Prince. Anyone that knows me knows that I'm very, very much, very much, very much into Prince. Um, and the beautiful ones, I listened to it and just thought it was fantastic. And then podcasts and poetry and podcasts. This month, I got into um, Daniel Cockrell's Poet Waffle. You can find that podcast on any of your podcast podcasting places. And I thought, I think Poet Waffle's lovely. I, was, I got to be a guest on it last month, which made me obviously go and listen to everyone else's waffling. Um, and I really, really loved it. What I also love is um, Daniel Cockrell's poetry. And he's been doing, back to DIY, doing a lot of DIY, a lot of homemade, making his own books. Um, these beautiful kind of little, kind of like little poetry collections, little zines, little pamphlets. And they're just absolutely beautiful. Pig Onion and the other one was Dynamite Balloon. And I really love them. I got them as a present for going on his um, podcast. So look out for that. That's um, You'll find them on his website, danielcockrell.com. So that's daniel and then cockrell.com. So that's my little roundup of what I've been reading. Um, so what um, I'm in the studio here with Ashley and Nikita, as you know. So um, who wants to go first? Tell me what you've been reading. What's on your bedside this month, what you're reading this winter. Can, I, can I just jump in super quickly because of the podcast thing? Um, yeah. I was a guest on two fantastic podcasts recently, and I, I wasn't really big into podcasts until about maybe about six months ago. Um, but they're called Inky Voices, um, and it's uh, Andy Fisher, and he gets um, fantastic poets from across the country to speak about the craft for about an hour. Um, and it's such a good, good listen. And he asks really probing questions, um, and it's just really, really great. And the second one is called Poking Books, and it's 20 minutes um, in which a author or poet um, goes on and talks about three of their favourite books or three books that inspired their um, newest piece of work, but they don't reveal who they are until the very last moment. And it's it's funny, it's comical, and it's, it's just really good. So I thought I'd just jump in there with the podcast because it was very fitting with, with No, what I've been yeah. really getting into podcasts and audiobooks at Christmas time. Yeah. Um, I went offline. I wasn't allowed to do any tweeting or Instagram mm. so I, and all Facebook. So I took all of my social media off my phone, but I kept my Audible and my podcast. So over Christmas, I got really into it. So now it's definitely become one of my habits to have a little listen instead of sort of jumping into the sort of chatting bit. Um, Can okay. I mention a couple of audiobooks which I've really, um, yeah, please really enjoyed? Do. Yeah. So I am a big fan of poets doing their own audiobooks. And, and we've, we're quite lucky because there's so many great mm. poets out there who are doing their, their own poetry audiobooks. Um, so 100% Dean Atta's Black Flamingo read by Dean Atta. Wow, what a book. Um, I've enjoyed like he, he just brings the story to life in a completely different way and I have this habit of like having the book in front of me and listening to the audiobook which I find really immerses me in it and it, it just takes you away to a different place um, Sophia Tacker uh, she did uh, she's done uh, Someone Give, Give This Heart a Pen so she's done her own audiobook as well and she's so gifted you know it, it's just amazing yeah, she's phenomenal she's uh, performed at my hardback um, launch and she's performing next week at the paperback launch she 
just blew the house out. She was absolutely amazing. Like so, just is so yeah. talented. So, so good. I don't yeah. know her. Can you tell me a bit about her? What what makes her so fantastic? It's you know that the thing which I love about Sophia's work is the vulnerability, but also the craft in which she's able to take that vulnerability and make it something so powerful, like. You know, you mentioned that uh, a lot of the, the young women who come onto my Instagram look at me like a, I'm a big sister. Um, I found Sophia's work when I was going through a really hard time with a partner and she wrote this beautiful poem about masculinity um, and that made me re-look at masculinity. In a, in a, I just wasn't expecting that perspective and that was coming from, you know, a woman. I, it was just It was just fascinating. She just has such a beautiful, authentic, vulnerable, powerful voice. Um, highly encourage you to go out and like get her work like just everyone <laughs> mm, absolutely and um, um, and what are you reading at the moment so there's podcasts that's audio books what, what are you both reading at the moment uh, so I'm reading Devdutt Patnaik's Myth Mithya right now Devdutt Patnaik is a mythologist of Hindu mythology so he's he's very good cool <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah we were just talking um, while the music was playing actually about um, poets who write novels, and so we're both, well, I'm just reading Ocean Vong's um, On Earth We Are Briefly Gorgeous. Oh, Ocean's amazing. Such yeah. a good book. Yeah. I, I don't want to rush it, because every page is just so beautiful, and like every line is wow. just absolutely stunning. Um, so that's just wonderful. Um, also, another poet who's written a novel, it's about a year old now, um, Catherine Kalali, yeah. and she released a collection about a decade ago called um, One-Eyed Lee, which is one of my favourite poetry collections, and her novel, which came out, uh, with Faber and Faber, um, it's called OK Mr. Field, and it's just absolutely stunning and wonderful. And um, yeah, that was a really good read. Um, Max Porter's Lanny is well, one of my favourites that came I out. I love yes. Max Porter's work. Yeah, yes, so yes, yes. good. I love how it's, it's sort of like cross-genre, playing around with the prose form, and um, that's something that I'm trying to do in my new novel, sort of like how it looks on the page and how I can make it as poetic and bouncy and, and as well as telling a really good story. And just it's just amazing, I think. Yeah. Good, good, good. Any more hot tips before um, before we stop talking about books? I could talk about books for ages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could definitely talk yeah. about books yeah, for ages. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan right now of retellings by women. Um, so uh, Chitra Banerjee, Devakarani has done like some really great retellings from the Mahabharata and the uh, Ramayan. So if anyone wants to like get into Hindu mythology, like those are good books to go to. So yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. That's good stuff. Okay, right. we've got a track now. We're going to play It's Not Easy by a Fiji. I like this.
This is Emma Rose and I'm welcoming you back to Roaring Twenties Radio. I'm here with my co-host, Selena Godden. And um, we wanted to take a moment to talk about a poem that Selena wrote called Pessimisms for Lightweights. And um, this week at the um, People's Museum in Salford, I think it was permanently installed. It was previously installed at the Aral Feeney in Bristol, and it's been permanently installed at um, the People's Museum in Salford. And what fascinated me and what sprung to mind, I think Matt alluded to it in his um, roundup, was the journey that this poem has been on from its inception, from its creation, to um, to being read aloud at protest, to the it was it's been a snowball effect and i just thought it was fascinating and um i'm very inspiring and then you've obviously got the poem itself so i wanted to ask you selena what um what was it like where did the poem come from where did it begin what was the starting point for you with this um well the very starting point with this poem was sitting in a talk in a theater listening to john higgs speak and john higgs was um giving a talk and then he just dropped that that sentence pessimism is for lightweight that phrase i, I beg pardon pessimism is for lightweights and then a little later on and it stuck in my mind and a little later after that he asked me if i would write a poem um for his podcast for his book um watling street which is a fantastic book about the old Roman road, one of the oldest roads in England, which is Watling Street. Um, and so I said only if I can call it pessimism is for lightweights, only if I can use that phrase and make it about that, because this Roman road has seen every every war, every so much, so much bad history and also good history, um, triumphant moments as well as terribly um, sad moments in British history. And so the road that I'm referring to in that poem is Watling Street. And that's where it began. And then, um, and you performed it in many different places and it seemed to be a phrase that was popping up. It was popping up in last year was a turbulent year in this country. It was, um, I mean, all over the world, but specifically here, there was a lot and there was a lot. People were really cross and they were making it known in mainly peaceful ways, you know. But then I really feel like you were a constant voice almost for that movement. 
you were speaking, you were doing readings, and this poem just seemed to capture something about that. How did that feel in the moment? Um, well, to stay positive is hard work. I'm yeah. not going to, I mean, like the song I just chose there was It's Not Easy. I mean, it's not easy um, to stay positive when so many strange and bad things are happening. That's not what it's about. Pessimism is for lightweights. It isn't about being kind of, you know, like bubblegum head and just going, it's going to be fine. You know, the whole house on fire. Fine, it's all fine. It's not about that. It's about, you know, being, you know, keeping your your wits about you, keeping your strength about you, looking for the good, looking for the warmth, going where the love is. My mum used to always say that to me, go where the love is. I think that's so important. Um, and not to sort of, I feel like we are bombarded with very bad news constantly. Um, bombarded with with where it's going wrong, um, to seek the good news, to seek the people that are trying to find solutions, the people that are coming with words of peace and love, to to try and highlight that, to make your Twitter feed filled with the people that are trying to find a way out and the way forward, and you know from stories of people saving koalas to you know in Australia to people that are trying to feed you know help people in floods in Northern England this very weekend probably to look. <laughs> Looking for the highlights, looking for the people that are helping people. Help the people that help the people that are helping people. Even if you can't do anything yourself, um, I think that's really important. I think that's the message there. Definitely. And what was it like um, engaging with your audience with this poem? Did you see the reaction build over time? Did you see it change? Um, I think the main thing with this poem, and I don't even think it's my best poem or anything. I mean, it's it's just, you know, to me, it's like, mm, I've written new ones now. Um, <laughs> you know how it is with poems. You're yeah. always like your newest one's best. Um, I think the, the thing with this poem, though, is it has reached people that I might not usually speak to or I might be a bit uppity or a bit, you know, a bit cross with um, um, what I'm trying to say is we're in very divisive times and this is a poem that's been shared by people that perhaps don't vote the same way as me or people that perhaps don't have the same fears or, or the same worries or, or the same, same you know, uh, concerns that I have about where we're going under a, a Tory government. So I was, yeah, so the shocking thing with this poem is how it's reached a very broad audience, which, which I think is good because we should be listening to each other more and, and sharing and opening more, perhaps, and, and not going, this is my gang, I only listen to the people in my bubble and in my gang. Uh, maybe we should be opening up more, I, I, I don't know. I agree. I think that's a wonderful sentiment. Easy to say, not so easy to do. Yeah, not so easy to do, no. So um, shall we allow, let's hear it, shall we let the poem speak for itself? Yes, OK, let's do this. I'm going to do a poem on the radio show, on Roaring Twenties Radio, a show which we put together because we want it to be about things that we're roaring about in this new decade. So... Um, pessimism is for lightweights, which is now resident at the People's History Museum in Manchester. I'm so proud. It was such a proud and strange and beautiful moment seeing it there this week. Um, and thank you to the People's History Museum and happy 10th birthday to them. Think of those who march that road. Ah, sorry. Think of those that marched this road before and those that will march here in years to come. The road in shadow, the road in sun, the road before us and the road all done. History is watching us, and what will we become? 
This road is all flags and milestones. Immigrant blood and sweat and tears built this city, built this country, made this road last all these years. This road is made of protest and those not permitted to vote and those that are still fighting to speak with a boot stamping on their throat. Now, there is a power and strength in optimism to have faith and to stay true to you because if you can look in the mirror and have belief and promise you will share wonder in living things, beauty, dreams, books, art, love your neighbour and be kind and have an open heart, well then you're already winning at living. You speak up, you show up and you stand tall. It's silence that is complicit, it's apathy that hurts us all. Pessimism is for lightweights. There is no straight white line. It's the bumps and the curves and the obstacles that make this road yours and mine. Pessimism is for lightweights. This road was never easy or straight. But I know living is all about living alive and lively. And I know love will conquer hate. Thank you. Beautiful, just beautiful. Thank you. Well, I think we're coming to the end of our show now. This was Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. We were live for the first time. Which was very fun. If you liked us, you can tweet us. We're at Roaring Twenties Radio, or you can find us on Instagram. I'd like to say thank you to my guest, Nikita Gill. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. And what and what are people looking for? So the book's out, um, the slam book is out April 2020. April 2020. Um, and my novel in verse, which is called The Girl and the Goddess, is out in September. Exciting. Very exciting. Thank you so much for braving the storm. And we also have Ashley. Ashley, Ashley, Ashley. Ashley Hickson-Lovent. And thank you for coming and reading from the 392. My pleasure. And what are we looking forward to? We're looking forward to Thursday. Uh, Next Thursday, the paperback launch of the 392. Um, Poets, comedians, uh, Q&A. It's going to be great fun. Um, Yeah, so come down if you're in the London Fields area uh, next Thursday evening. Marvellous. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and let's hear our amazing theme tune one last time. Thank you, Mr. God, and we love our theme tune. See you again next month. Thank you. (laughs) 